0: Coming up on We Talk News this week, farmers in Humboldt County, California, protest high excise taxes and their voices were heard. A huge reduction. We have reaction from the Emerald Triangle. Plus, the Tennessee Valley Authority threatens to pull access to electricity for the new medical marijuana program in Mississippi, causing an outrage in the industry. Speaking of outrageous... Weed Maps produces a commercial for Sunday's big game in the NFL, and the league rejects weed again. And the THC percentage in hemp could be increased if a new congressional bill passes. All that and more on Weed Talk News next. Pro-cannabis media programming and PCM-TV is supported by Revolutionary Clinics, Massachusetts' number one medical dispensary where the patient comes first, And by Salient Systems for Video Surveillance. You've got regulations. Salient has solutions for your security needs. And by Accounting Buds, your number one CPA specialist for the cannabis industry. We are Pro Cannabis Media.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto reporting for Pro Cannabis Media. This week's top headline comes from the Golden State, California, and more specifically, the world-renowned Emerald Triangle, what many know to be the home of modern cannabis. Home to Trinity, Mendocino, and Humboldt counties, the Emerald Triangle has led the pioneering front on U.S. cannabis for decades. And now, the Board of Supervisors in Humboldt County has voted to slash excise taxes for cannabis producers by a whopping 85%. Our own Jimmy Young spoke with Wendy Kornberg of Sunnibus and her partner, James Buerer about what this means for small cannabis farmers. So for all the small farmers in Humboldt County, and really for farmers, especially cannabis farmers in the United States even, I mean, this is much broader reaching than just Humboldt County, but Right now, obviously it's a Humble County tax, so it just affects us. But the reduction of this is I'm not in any way like downplaying this. It is literally the savior of the farms in cannabis of cannabis farms in Humble County. Um, hopefully this has much broader implications, and many of the other counties in California begin to follow suit. And what this can in turn do is create a much more stable structure for cannabis businesses across our state. And hopefully that flows through across the nation as well as more and more states elect to have cannabis programs.
0: Cool. Now I'm going to turn this question to James, and it's going to be something of a surprise because I know when we talked the other night about this, you were very proud of the fact that you brought your children to the protest and they now have seen how democracy works. How uh, pleased are you about the result?
2: Uh, Well, it's certainly not what we expected to happen. Uh, I was quite sure that the outcome was going to be something that people were sad about, and that it was probably going to be the demise of a lot of farms. And actually what happened was they listened to the outcry of the people. They saw the people on the streets and driving past and and actually heard the message. It's unfortunate that the supervisor that ran primarily on cannabis uh, and cannabis business was the one who did not vote for this reduction, but an 85% reduction is is huge. So it, it's really awesome that the kids were able to see what you can do when you actually get out and, you know, produce action instead of just talking. It, it's, it's pretty wild. I'm really happy that was the result so they can move forward in life with that ethos.
1: As we've seen in weed history before, there's hope here that other cannabis communities will take Humboldt's lead and hopefully we'll start to see more compassion and wiggle room for small farmers across the board. Now let's take a closer look at what's happening in California this week with Christopher Smith.
3: Hi from the left coast and before you spark up a bowl for the Super Bowl weekend, here's the California Roundup for Weed Talk News. So, Well before Prop 64 legalized cannabis for adult use in 2016, California cannabis advocates warned that letting large well-funded growers into the market too soon would be the death of small farms. California responded by letting the big guys in even sooner than promised, and the predictions have come through equally fast. Cultivation taxes are the highest in the nation, Pricing has collapsed, squeezing small farmers who agreed to play by the rules to the brink of extinction. After dozens of local farmers and their families all but begged for relief, the Humboldt County Board of Supervisors cut a cannabis excise tax by 85% on Monday. So let's see if Governor Gavin Newsom reads the writing on the wall and does the right thing as well. The California Department of Fish and Wildlife has announced it eradicated 2.6 million pounds of illegally cultivated cannabis plants and 487,270 pounds of flour during its 2021 enforcement operations. Most countries don't even grow this much. In California, this is how much was destroyed by Johnny Law. Well, that's a hell of a flex against the bad guys, Sheriff. But how many tons of cannabis medicine was created for Californians? None? How much distillate was extracted and distributed to veterans trying to get off of opioids? None. And how much was for children with epilepsy? None. Well, surely Johnny Law made some money from the haul. None. And how about just mulching it and creating some compost? None. Oh, you burned it and you added to our air pollution. That's Cali Law enforcement for you. Quick with the torch, slow on common sense. And a quick addendum to a story from last week, Roz McCarthy's new brand has announced more details. So you'll recall that McCarthy is the founder of Minorities for Medical Marijuana and has now launched a new brand of her own called Black Buddha. Well first, Black Buddha will be rolling out in four states, California, Michigan, Nevada, uh, Ohio, uh, second, Black Buddha is leading with chillums and gummies, with plenty more where that came from. And some exciting news, cannabis patient and movie star Malik Yoba has joined the brand as chief strategy officer. So you'll recognize Yoba from his work in Cool Runnings and New York Undercover. Now, if you want to learn more about Roz McCarthy and her Black Buddha brand, I will be interviewing Roz next week on my new show called the American Cannabis Report on PCMTV. So make sure to check it out. And I'm Christopher Smith, publisher of the American Cannabis Report, sharing California's bounty, beauty, and Black Buddha for Weed Talk News.
1: Federal prohibition is causing some strife in the South. The Tennessee Valley Authority, a federally-owned power utility that operates in parts of Mississippi, is threatening to cut the lights on businesses cultivating or selling cannabis. And even though Mississippi just legalized medical marijuana... The company says, while it is under contract to provide services to local power companies, federal law says those resources and funds may not be purposely used for activity that violates federal law. And because cannabis is still a controlled substance, TVA says it will quote, not direct any federal resources or funds to the cultivation and or distribution of marijuana. Employees are now urged to report any use of TVA's electricity by Mississippi cannabis businesses, which could mean a lot of new weed operations unfairly left in the dark. Sticking with the South, let's check in with Heather
4: Allman for this week's Florida Report. I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report with This Week in Florida for Weed Talk News. Criminals may be getting more creative, but so are detectives. The Polk County Sheriff's Office recently spearheaded an undercover sting operation using social media and dating apps. Last Thursday, the six-month operation ended with the arrest of more than 60 individuals, according to Sheriff Grady Judd, including 159 felony charges filed and 72 misdemeanors. Investigators will not only continue to monitor apps, they will also be working in tandem with mobile app companies to help stop illegal sales. As for legal cannabis transactions, more seniors are using cannabis as the number of adults 65 or older who reported recent cannabis use jumped by 18% in 2021, according to a report by the National Survey of Drug Use and Health. The fact that more seniors also admitted to using cannabis during their lifetime signals a possible cultural shift and wider acceptance of cannabis use in this age group. In Florida, seniors represent a large percentage of our registered patients and are proving to be more receptive to the medical benefits of cannabis than any other demographic, choosing cannabis over harsh medications like opioids. In other news, according to John Templeton, founder of the Treasure Island-based Footprint Addiction Treatment Center, seniors here in the Sunshine State are excited about a new study that followed 115 patients with chronic pain who had been using opioid treatment for at least six months. After being weaned off opioids and treated instead with a cannabis supplement, a 70% reduction in opioid use was seen in the majority of test patients. The study concluded that cannabis use does not bring physical addiction or withdrawal. In fact, long-term opioid users were able to reduce their use of opioids, making cannabis a viable option to reduce reliance on the drug and decrease related deaths and overdoses. That's a wrap for Florida Cannabis this week. I'm Heather Almond from Cannabis Law Report for Weed Talk News.
1: Everyone's favorite big football game is this weekend and while stoners may be eager for the funny ads, we will once again miss out on any commercials for cannabis. Weed Maps in partnership with LA-based Quantum Spin Studios pumped out an ad with a very comical but relatable spin on cannabis censorship in the current digital age.
5: I'm an icon. but since we can't talk about cannabis publicly, my likeness is being used as a safe substitute.
0: Oh, well, Brock? Hi, oh hi indeed!
5: I don't see the resemblance., oh,
0: it was
6: on sale. that's the only reason I got it. Oh
0: whoa,
7: whoa. Hey, where are you headed? Uh, under break?
5: Finance meeting, Janet.
7: Okay, bud. Go get that green.
5: (laughs) (laughs) They're not even being subtle anymore. Don't do this to me.
8: Oh, there you are. Hey, Susan. Let's hotbox this.
5: It's taking over my life. Cannabis is here to stay. That's great. But can we just call it what it is? I'm broccoli. I mean, you guys get it. Pot. Leaf. It's messed up. Thank you.
1: The White House faced major backlash this week when several media outlets decided to run rampant with the headline, Biden administration handing out crack pipes." The Department of Health and Human Services has finalized a $30 million grant as part of a new harm reduction plan, which has language that apparently allows some community programs to fund, quote, safe smoking kits for those experiencing addiction. But several federal sources have since clarified the White House is not specifically handing out pipes. The grant, instead, allows communities to decide which resources would best serve them and which could include smoking kits of some kind. So no matter how you spin it, this is a new way to look at addiction and abuse as a matter of mental and physical health rather than criminalization. And hopefully we can see this ideology leak over into cannabis with more from the nation's capital, let's check in with Vote Pro Podcasts Phil Adams.
5: I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. Here with the Weed Talk News DC Report. A new report from the Congressional Research Service finds a divergence of how federal courts interpret a legislative measure that protects state marijuana programs from interference by the federal government. The provision which was originally approved as a rider to the 2014 spending bill and has been renewed every year since then, stipulates that Justice Department funding cannot be used to prevent states from implementing their own medical marijuana programs. In particular, the report looks at the different ways the 1st and Ninth District Courts of Appeals have dealt with this provision. While the Ninth Circuit has held that only strict compliance with all conditions of state law can protect a person from prosecution, a recent decision by the 1st Circuit shifts the burden to the DOJ. Their ruling says that the writer precludes the department under most circumstances from prosecuting individuals who hold a state-issued medical marijuana license. Congressional lawmakers are criticizing the Tennessee Valley Authority for threatening to cut off electricity to state legal cannabis businesses. Representative Steve Cohen of Tennessee and Earl Blumenauer of Oregon sent a tersely worded letter. William Kilbride, chairman of the federally owned utility company. The two congressmen expressed their concern over a recent statement from the TVA, suggesting that since it is under federal contract, it cannot legally serve the cannabis business. The letter urges swift rescission of the statement and calls on the TVA to abide by congressional intent that states should not be impeded in implementing their own legal cannabis programs. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and other Senate leaders are urging fellow lawmakers to weigh in on a bill to federally legalize cannabis. Schumer said his goal is to formally introduce the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act sometime in April, and he's seeking input from leaders of relevant committees. Among other provisions, the bill would federally deschedule cannabis, expunge prior convictions, authorize states to set their own marijuana policies, and impose a federal tax on cannabis products. Schumer, along with Senate colleagues Cory Booker and Ron Wyden, unveiled the draft legislation last June. That's the We Talk News DC report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast.
1: Ironically enough, Washington State is also taking a new approach to harm reduction. This week, state activists finalized an initiative that would remove criminal penalties for simple drug possession of any drug and would direct nearly $150 million toward funding for substance misuse treatment. Josh Kincaid has this week's Washington Report.
7: I'm Josh Kincaid from The Talking Hedge with the Washington State Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Washington State's cannabis revenues last year were $287 million more than that of liquor and more than two and a half times what the state saw during the 2015 to 2017 biennium. Since Washington voters legalized cannabis in 2012, the states benefited from hundreds of millions of dollars in additional tax revenues. However, cities have been stuck sharing a relatively small portion of those revenues with counties. Washington State collected a total of $560 million in legal cannabis income and licensing fees last year. Let's break that down. Total sales last year were $1.48 billion, coming from almost 42 million transactions with customers spending $35 on average and a year-over-year sales growth last month of negative 8%. An overhaul of the state's cannabis revenues accounts would mean $7 million in additional money for those areas, as long as they have a licensed cannabis producer, processor, or retailer physically located in their jurisdiction and although it's unlikely that the income raised from cannabis tax will completely change the city's economy it is refreshing to learn that the state's planning to allocate the funds to local communities for much needed improvements next week you're going to find out about washington state's plan for social equity licenses but with that we're gonna have to roll up this washington state cannabis report i'm josh Kincaid from the talking heads reporting for weed talk news don't forget to like share and subscribe or don't and i'm out
1: the definition of hemp could be changing under a newly introduced congressional bill. Representative Chelly Pingree of Maine filed the Hemp Advancement Act this week, which would increase the legal THC threshold for hemp products from 0.3% to 1%. The move could give hemp and cannabis businesses more flexibility. But it also has the potential to upend the Delta-8 market, which has been existing in a bizarre gray area for quite some time. So we'll have to watch how this bill moves through Capitol Hill. But on a smaller scale, many communities are still grappling with how to regulate the plant at a local level. And with that, let's travel to Vermont and check in with Jessie Lindolin. Dolan.
9: I'm Jessie Lindolin Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News, Vermont Report. Last week, lawmakers approved H-701, a cannabis licensing fee bill designed to encourage the development of small cultivators throughout the state. The annual fee for the smallest outdoor grower would be $750, while the fee for the largest grower would be $75,000. Thursday, February 10th was Cannabis Equity Advocacy on the Capitol. Members of the Vermont Cannabis Equity Coalition partners, which include NOFA Vermont, Rural Vermont, Vermont Growers Association, and Vermont Racial Justice Alliance met with the House and Senate Agriculture Committees to discuss recommendations for a just and inclusive cannabis marketplace. Mary STEM Farms and Nurse Grown Organics also provided testimony. The Cannabis Control Boards has sent Rules 1 and 2 to the Legislative Committee on Administrative Rules. The board's latest report made a number of key recommendations, including recommendations for social equity outreach and social equity, lifting the 30% THC cap on cannabis flower, online ordering and delivery, additional license types, including craft cooperative, delivery, and special events, display and sale of cannabis related paraphernalia to be allowed and encouraging working with state agency partners on economic opportunity program development. Rule three, which deals with the medical program and rule four, which covers compliance and enforcement is currently in a public notice and comment period. The Cannabis Control Board will be hearing public testimony next Friday on rule three and four. The Vermont Medical Cannabis Program released results of a 575-patient survey in which over 85% of patients responded they have experienced a great deal of benefit from cannabis, while about 45% said it was somewhat unaffordable to not unaffordable. On Thursday, February 10th, the Cannabis Control Board's networking event for social equity and economic empowerment applicants met discussing building a successful business plan and featured renowned cannabis attorney Cheryl Murray Powell. Saturday, February 12th, Vermont Iwana is hosting a networking event at the Vermont Grow Barn in West Brattleboro. That's the Vermont Report
1: for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. Patients in Pennsylvania are piping up about the need for home grows. Last week, officials announced the state's largest ever recall of cannabis products. And this has many marijuana patients questioning the reliability of the state's processing and testing techniques. And they're not going to be quiet about it. Claudia Post has much more in this week's Pennsylvania Report.
10: I'm Claudia Post from Charlotte Express, reporting from Pennsylvania, the Keystone State and I'm here reporting for We Talk News. First up, the Pennsylvania Department of Health in its infinite wisdom, issued a mandatory recall on hundreds of vape cartridges, hundreds of brands of vape cartridges. Now, keep in mind that these same vape cartridges from the same manufacturers been in use since 2018, so why all of a sudden, in their infinite wisdom, as I say, have they decided to recall these vapes? It has sent dispensaries and patients into an absolute panic and dizzy. The two greatest offenders are CuraLeaf and Trueleaf, which is sort of ironic, and um, we are getting a lot of pushback from our Pennsylvania Cannabis Coalition, so, There'll be more news on that as we go along. Next, this is good news. The GOP held hearings on the use of medical, of, uh, I beg your pardon, of marijuana, uh, home grow, and adult use. Well, that's a plus because they were so against it, uh, but now I guess they see those colors and they're all for it. One of the things that came out is that they're deeply concerned about how police enforcement will handle this, and I say it's going to take education on everybody's side. But there are other things that are of importance as well, and they are wondering whether this will stop or put a dent in the black market. Again, we don't know. We're waiting to see, and uh, I say that the. Powers that be should go out, go to other states, see how adult use works, bring it back to Pennsylvania. Why reinvent the wheel? But keep in mind, folks, this is Pennsylvania and that's how we do things. Now, this is really an interesting twist. Pennsylvania requires terpene profiles on all of the THC strains. Now, East Coast folks think that the best Flour has the highest THC count. That's not necessarily true. It really also has three other components. What are the cannabinoids? What are the terpenes? And obviously, what is the freshness? So I think this again is a matter of educating the consumer as to what to choose. That's the from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'll be back next week. To talk about what's hot and not, what's not in Pennsylvania. From Weed Talk News,
1: have a fabulous week. People in New York seem to be growing impatient with the wait to purchase legal weed, and now the state's Office of Cannabis Management is cracking down. While adult use was legalized last year, the state still hasn't issued any licenses for legal sales. So some business operators have reportedly been selling products or services, then providing cannabis as a gift in return. The office sent out letters this week warning businesses that gifting is against the law and it could lead to losing out on those coveted licenses in legal market once it's implemented. So maybe don't accept any weed gifts if you're in New York. And speaking of legal markets, a bill is now moving forward in Massachusetts that would allow public consumption lounges. Ron Marshallsee has this week's Massachusetts Report. Ron.
8: I'm Ron Marshallsee with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for We Talk News. The United Food and Commercial Workers Local 1445 are using a quirk in Massachusetts law that allows agriculture workers, such as those who work in cannabis cultivation, to organize with signed union cards without having to hold an election. Over the last 10 years, changes at the National Labor Relations Board have slowed down the traditional process of organizing. For example, an employer used to have 7 days to appeal a filing, they now have 14. Small changes like that can add up. Secretary-Treasurer of Local 1445 Fabricio Da Silva was quoted as saying, Traditional organizing, once you get a majority of the workers signed, you have to go through the NLRB. Back in the Obama era, we could have an election in 29 days. Now, we'll go two months by the time I have an election. Da Silva claims the reason they lose sometimes when it comes to a vote is only because of the anti-union propaganda, which he says is based on fear and uncertainty. Boston researchers say they've developed a new non-invasive technique for detecting marijuana highs that can reliably tell when a person is actually impaired versus them just using it recently. Their approach has been described as more direct than looking at a person's blood for impairment. They want to peer into the brain with light-based imaging. Further development and validation is needed, but the team behind the work is hopeful it could lead to a roadside device that would allow police to catch dangerously stoned drivers. But more importantly, it would be without sweeping up law-abiding cannabis consumers, as well as medical marijuana patients who have THC in their system, but are not actively impaired. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsley.
1: Now on the other side of gifting weed, an initiative in Missouri explicitly allows the act. The Legal Missouri 2022 campaign would include language that will allow adults 21 and older to purchase or simply gift up to three ounces of cannabis at a time. And with more from the Show Me State, Brandon Jones has this week's Missouri Report.
11: Hey everybody, Brandon Jones here again from Distribution Maven with Missouri Cannabis Report for We Talk News. And being able to gift would be pretty awesome here in Missouri as a home grower. I would actually be able to gift some of my own homegrown products here. Some of my friends, I'm sure they'd be very happy. My first story today comes out of grownin.com and the Missouri Supreme Court actually ruled that the uh, application archives must be reopened to all those people that had sent in their appeals. So all those applications that had been denied now get to get looked at and compare to others and see the scores and the discrepancies and they're are very worried this is going to be a slippery slope for all these applicants that were denied so this is uh, going to be a very uh, very uh, curious issue to watch here in missouri in the next uh, few months my next story is a little bit more personal uh, i had a family relative live to uh, reach out to me here uh, just this last week and as you know kansas city half of it is still you know half the city is in kansas and that's where most of my uh, family lives he had a protege of his it's only 40 reach out to him and let him know that he actually has terminal cancer and wanted to know if if my uncle or uh, my uncle could help him in any way with finding any medical marijuana and if there was any way to actually do that legally in Kansas and I had to let my uncle know that unfortunately at this time there is no way to get any medical marijuana to his protege that you know is in his 40s has terminal cancer and needs just some relief some medicine to help him. So I just implore all of you out there that are still, you know, in states that are uh, allowing medical cannabis to still help reach out, uh, reach out to those legislations, help those others reach out to the normal teams. And if you are in those states that don't have access, I implore you to do that even more. Just reach out to your local legislation, look out for your normal teams. They're all over this entire, entire country and they need it. they're there for support. So let's get access to everyone that needs it. Thanks again. This is Brandon Jones from Distribution Maven with the Missouri Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Have a great week, everybody.
1: Folks in Michigan apparently love their marijuana to high heaven. Delivery platform Ease has published its 2022 State of Cannabis Report, surveying users of its services in California and Michigan. And based on its findings, Ease says the top three cities of customers that prefer high-potency pot products are in Michigan, not California an interesting insight into what customers are looking for when they purchase their cannabis. And with that, let's check in with Michigan Normal Executive Director, Rick Thompson.
6: Hello again, everyone. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Cannabis sales in Michigan sank by 9% in January. As compared to December's figures, the data is from the Marijuana Regulatory Agency the report came to us from new cannabis ventures. Medical cannabis sales dropped 15% from December and adult use dropped 8%. January's cannabis sales in Michigan were the worst on record since June 2021. In the past, January sales have improved from the previous December, but that statistic is misleading as in prior years the industry was just launching. Although cannabis flower dominates both the medical and recreational markets, the presence of vape pens is different in each sector. Medical cannabis flower sales were $12.8 million in January, and vapes were $7.5 million, which is about 58% of the flower sale total. In the adult use market, there were $60.8 million sold in flower in January, but only $27.2 million in vape sales, which is only of the flower sales total. Those flower-to-vape ratios seem to be holding steady in the market. Overall, cannabis pricing is down to its lowest point ever in the regulated market, with the current Marijuana Regulatory Agency reported price of a pound riding at $2,440, which is down 53% from a year ago and fell 17% in just one month. Detroit's latest effort to allow recreational cannabis businesses has been written and submitted to council. Detroit already has 75 medical marijuana retail licenses issued and many other cultivation and processing licenses as well. In 2020, they tried to adopt an ordinance allowing adult use cannabis businesses to run, but the courts found the ordinance unfairly gave advantage to Detroit residents and ruled the ordinance unconstitutional. This latest version has different wording included, but seems to have a new version of the same program that the courts rejected before. Additionally, the new ordinance eliminates veteran status as a qualifier for social equity and reduces the amount cannabis businesses are required to contribute to local charities from 1% to a quarter of a percent of gross revenues. The ordinance was just introduced this week, and there are likely to be many amendments to the language before a vote is taken. Okay, look, we all know that buying cannabis based on THC content is not the right way to do it, but a new report from the delivery company Ease says Michiganders are buying into the lie even more than Californians. The company released a report this week showing that three cities in Michigan really, really prefer the high THC number cannabis. They compared Michigan and California because those are the only two states they operate in. Now, who prefers the high THC numbers? Of all age groups, Gen Z purchased concentrates with the highest average THC content, with millennials coming in a close second, followed by Gen X, according to an article featured on Metro Times. Now, men buy more flour, while women seem to prefer edibles and pre-rolls. And when do we Michiganders prefer the high THC products? in the colder months, according to Ease's State of Cannabis report. And what cannabis do those people order to get that high THC number? Strains like wedding cake and the various glues, it seems. Now, which were those three cities named by Ease as the highest THC-loving cities in two states? Well, in third place is the Motor City, Detroit. In second, Grand Rapids, which is our second biggest city in the state, And the number one high THC loving city in both California and Michigan is Ann Arbor. Of course it's Ann Arbor. Why wouldn't it be? And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Overseas
1: in Israel, the Justice Minister has submitted a plan for cannabis decriminalization to public comment. Right now, cannabis is only partially decriminalized in Israel with a sliding scale of punishment based on how many offenses a person commits. But the new plan aims to drop that punishment to justify and protect all cannabis users from criminal prosecution, including those who already have a marijuana-related offense on their record, a progressive and favorable move from the justice minister. And with more from the global world of weed, let's travel over to Europe and check in with Stephen Arthur-George.
12: I'm Stephen Arthur-George from Kai Advisors in Lisbon, Portugal. This is the European Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. India's Dr. Reddy wants a part of the European cannabis industry. Dr. Reddy announced they would be acquiring German-based Nibis Health. They see cannabis-based medicines as a promising treatment moving forward. Medical cannabis is not legal in India, and that seems to be why they're taking up this opportunity in Europe. Also in Europe, Greece reports highest cannabis usage during pandemic. New reports say that Athens is among the top five highest cannabis consumption cities in all of Europe. Similar to other EU countries, Greece saw a rise in consumption during the pandemic. Ironically, they also saw more consumption throughout the winter months than in the summer months. Up in the UK, cannabis turns the lights out. The UK police have seen a rise in illegal cannabis cultivation over the past year. On top of that, in some areas, they are stealing electricity to turn the lights on. This has gotten the public involved due to frequent power outages, and they are not happy. That's the European Cannabis Report. I'm Stephen Arthur George from Kai Advisors reporting for Weed Talk News.
1: And finally, get ready to fly high. Yes. The world's very first in-airport cannabis store may be coming to Canada. This week, the Prince George City Council in British Columbia voted in favor of the store's land use application. And the retail company, Copilot, says they are ready to take off by summer. Company officials say their potential customer base includes people looking to pick up bud before arriving to their final destination in BC, as well as curious travelers who might not normally take a trip to the dispensary. Copilot also told the city council it's planning a designated cannabis consumption space in the airport, which could really change the game globally when it comes to getting high another reminder that it's a whole new world of weed out there. So use it wisely. And that's it for Weed Talk News this week. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media.
0: Media programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at ProCana Media, on Instagram at ProCannabis Media, on LinkedIn, also at ProCannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on ProCannabis Media, Twitter at ProCanna Media, and on twitch.tv backslash pro media. So like, share, and subscribe to all of our content, newsletters, and shows live or on demand.